you should come up front sometime during praise and worship. Oh, I didn't hear, didn't hear anything out there. It's like crickets. I'm just telling you right now. You just focus on the Lord. You got space. You got room. There's no distractions. I'm telling you, it makes a difference. It does to me. And it's kind of what I'm talking about today. Because I'm going to kind of mess with your comfort zone a little bit. Is that all right? Okay, some of y'all said, yeah, I see some nods, that's good, okay. The rest of y'all, hopefully by the end of the message, you'll, you'll agree. But I want to um, first mention that if you're a young adult between the ages of 18 to 35, it's time to get plugged in. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's time to get plugged in. You are squarely in the crosshairs of the enemy, I can tell you that. You go to pretty much any university, any college campus, um, politicians, news, teachers, everyone that does not believe in God is going to let you know they don't believe in God and they want you to not believe in God. And we have a thriving community. We met Friday night and I'm telling you what, the presence of God was there. Oh my gosh, I don't even know how long we worshiped, but we worshiped all night long, amen. It was definitely past 10, but I'm telling you right now, if you're hungry for God, you're in that age group, you need to join us on Friday nights. Amen? And I'm going to put somebody on the spot. You see this guy over here, this uh, well-manicured man right here? Connor, raise your hand. Raise your hand, Connor. Go see him. Go see him, and he'll get you plugged in. Amen? All right, I believe I have a word from the Lord. Uh, I want to thank God for the media team. Y'all give it up for the media team. And obviously... Pastor Ronnie, who's over the worship and media team, amen, does a wonderful job. It had to be sometime after midnight before they got these scriptures in from me. Um, it's crazy. I was washing my car yesterday, and, you know, my wife came home, and, you know, she's looking at me like, I thought you were supposed to be preaching tomorrow, you know, like, how come I'm not in the Word? And I'm like, all I got to do is just seek the Lord. And I thought I had something, but then when I got to around, I think it was 11 o'clock, something like that, and was praying in what, what I thought God had for me to give, he gave me something else. So I thank God for the media team because, you know, they got these scriptures very late, past midnight. Uh, shout out to Clayton. I don't know if you put them in. Whoever did it, but y'all are a blessing. Amen. All right. So I want to look at Exodus chapter 33. We're going to look at Moses. We're going to start with verse 13. Verse 13, now therefore, this is Moses, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways, that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. May God bless the reading of his word. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is so good to us, O oh God. It's like honeycomb to our mouth, God. It nourishes our soul. God, I pray right now, O oh Lord, that we would not be just hearers, but doers of your word. Open up our hearts now, God. Some of us need spiritual surgery, O oh Lord. We pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you have your way. Because we know that your word is power. We know that your word brings healing. We know that your word makes the crooked path straight. So, God, correct us, rebuke us, set us straight, Father. Because without your word, Father, we have no hope because you are the word, God. We thank you for the living word right now. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. You may have your places. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Amen. I just feel, I just feel like it was ordained for God to bring this message right now. Because what I want to talk about is a holy dissatisfaction. A holy dissatisfaction. Now remember, I, if, if you were to rewind time 24 hours ago, this was not what I felt like the Lord impressed on my heart. But when I got in the place of worship and prayer, the Lord began to deal with my heart first to me. Am I satisfied with you, Lord? Am I complacent with you, God? Am I neutral? Am I on cruise control? Am I in a comfort zone? Am I just a casual Christian? This is what the Lord began to deal with me. And he's dealt with me in these matters many times before. And something that I can't shake is how more than ever the body of Christ needs to have regular encounters with God. I'm not talking, yes, I'm not talking about church. Because you can have an encounter with God at church, but if that is the only time, I'm afraid we missed it. We need to have regular encounters with God. Because how many of you know there are regular encounters with the enemy? (laughs) You don't even have to ask for those regular encounter times, right? I mean, you can just be cruising along, literally driving, and bam, discouragement hits you in your mind before you even get to work. Come on. You could be, have a great day, and then you lay your head down on your pillow, and all of a sudden you're worried down with the cares of the world, right? The enemy knows how to have an encounter with you, but the question is, do you know to have, how to have an encounter with God? Because you are only as strong as your last encounter with God. I didn't come to be religious. You know what? I think the church... Today, and I'm not talking about this church in particular, I'm talking about the universal church, has gotten very, very complacent, especially since COVID. I mean, I know some people that are no longer on the battlefield, y'all. They used to be on the front lines, but COVID hit, and everyone got kind of casual. We got used to being in our slippers, used to being in our bathrobe, and watching online. And then when it came back to in-house meeting, a lot of us never came back. And that's a portrait of how a lot of us are still trying to shake off that residue and trying to shake off that complacency. And I believe there's a time for a divine disturbance in the body of Christ. I believe it's time for us to wake up out of our slumber, amen, and arise, shine, for the glory of God is upon you, so let your light shine, amen. So I believe that the Lord wants us to get out of this lukewarmness. He doesn't like lukewarmness. In fact, he says in Revelation, I will spit you out of my mouth. I don't want to be spit out of the mouth of God at all. So I'm calling today's message a holy dissatisfaction. And now we have Moses here. That's the the passage I start from. Moses had many encounters with God. You recall he had an encounter with God at the burning bush. This bush is burning, but yet it's not consumed. And the voice of the Lord spoke out of that. You recall that there was a rock and water gushed from the rock. And on and on and on, Moses had these encounters with God, but yet he was not satisfied. I don't know about you, but if a bush was outside right now, I walk outside these doors and it's burning and not consumed and the voice of the Lord speaks out of that, I'm going to say I've had an encounter with God I've never had before, right? 
And the, the, the sinful nature in me or the, the human part of me would have a tendency to just rest on that. Oh, I'm, I, am I in the right place? I don't know. Would have a tendency to say, you know what? I've never experienced that before. Now I can just cruise on down the road. But I don't think that's the heart of God. It's definitely not what Moses wanted. Because Moses had these conversations, he had these encounters, he saw these signs and wonders and, and, and all these things, but yet he said, I want to know you more, God. That was not enough. It's not enough that I've seen this altar filled with salvations before. I want to see the entire world with salvations. Come on. It's not enough that I've seen somebody in Peru this past July get up out of a wheelchair and run to the altar and testify. I had never seen that in my life until I went on this mission trip this past July. But that is not enough. I want more, God. But more than what I want to see, I want to know. I want to know about you, God. Does anybody want to know more about God? Because I'm telling you right now, God wants you to know more about him. Here is Moses. He needed more of God. He wanted more of God. He desired more of God. He wanted more than just an encounter. He wanted more. He wanted God. He wanted a fresh encounter with God. And Moses didn't just want another encounter. I mean, it was not just enough to satisfy him. He wanted to know God and his ways. And I cannot stress that enough that he wanted more of God. Does anybody want more of God this morning. Come on. Well, let me tell you something. God wants you to want more, but he's just waiting on you. We make every excuse in the book why we can't spend time with God. What if we made those, if you're married in here, raise your hand. What if we made those same excuses with our spouse? She or he keeps saying, I want to spend time with you, and you're like, oh, I'd rather watch TV. Well, no, you know, I, I, want, I love you. I really do. You're a blessing in my life, but, you know, I got something else that's more important right now. I got to mow this yard. Come on. We may not say those things, but we do those things. Or what about your children? Especially when they're young. They want to be around, especially dads. My heart goes out to the dads. You got a very, very tough job, but it should not make you quit. You should press harder. Amen? That's what real men of God do. We just press harder. But, but especially little children, they just want to be around dad. And how would it look if I just said, you know what? I want to spend time with you, but you know what? I'm, I'm, my favorite show's on right now. Or I'm, I'm really interested in what's going on on social media right now, and I don't have time. I'm just, I got to see what everybody else is doing. Man, what are we doing? What are we doing? If we know in the natural there's something wrong with that because we are in relationship and even more so with a, with a spouse, we are in covenant, how much more do we should know that that is how it should be with God? Because we are in covenant with God. He is the lover of our soul. Amen. He, we are the bride and he is the groom. Amen. He died upon the cross for us while we were yet sinners and didn't care anything about him, yet he died for us. Oh, I'll spend time with you later, God, when it's convenient. When? When trials come? When things get tough, then you want to cry out to God? I'm on assignment from the Lord. If, if, it, if it hurts, then good. Because I think to get out of a comfort zone, we got to hurt a little bit. 
But here is Moses. He wanted a fresh, deep knowledge of God. It's like if you're starving to eat. I'm starving to eat right now. But I'm not going to go, let's say if I go to Logan Steakhouse. They got some good buttery rolls, right? Come on, y'all. Y'all are getting, mm, it's hitting me right here. I see some of y'all. Y'all are like, oh, man, I might go there. Hey, if you go there, tell them I sent you. Maybe they'll uh, send money to the youth because I'm looking for that. Yeah, plug. All right. But here's the thing. If I go to Logan Steakhouse and I just eat those fresh, hot, buttery rolls with, mmm, they're just so good, right? If that's all I eat, then I miss the point because they got a tasty steak in the back waiting on me. All I got to do is ask and put a little money on it, right? But, but here's what I'm saying. I don't want buttery rolls with Jesus. I want the steak. Buttery rolls is not going to sustain me. Come on, they're good, they taste good, but I need some meat. How many of y'all want the meat of the word, amen? The Bible says man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. An appetizer is not going to do it, amen? A little one-hour service on a Sunday is not going to do it. we got to have more. we got to want more. we got to cry out to God like we're desperate and say, God, I want more of you. Give me more of you, God, or I will die. Amen. I'm a fanatic for God. I was a fanatic in the world and did some stupid, crazy things. You could call me a weirdo if I told you some of the things I did. Why do I got to be so conservative now? Why do I got to be so buttoned up and tightened right now? Come on now. I think sometimes we just got to let loose. I remember when I first got saved, and it, and it was weird to me seeing people raise their hands. It was weird to me seeing people have that joy and, just, and maybe do a little dance. And I was like, what is going on with them? I did not understand the joy of the Lord then. I probably forgot where I came from and how God cleansed me. I was in, I'll mention Peru again because this guy just came to my mind. This dude had to be 86, 85, somewhere around there. And let me tell you something. They don't have AC there. We're in a comfortable chair, comfort zone, right? We got air conditioner, central, central heat. They don't have that. We're in this church, and it's hot and humid. They just got fans. And this 85, 86-year-old guy, Connor, you remember this. And they worship for like an hour, y'all. They wouldn't know three songs and we're gone. They worship, praise. And, it, and then we're not talking about, you know, slow songs the whole time. Majority of their songs were fast, upbeat. They're up there on the drums. They're sweating, pouring down. But they are going so hard for God. And this 85-year-old is dancing before the Lord. He's spinning around. He's got on. I, 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 was, I was like, man, this dude's going to pass out. He had on a long sleeve shirt, right? I'm not wearing no long sleeve shirt in, in the humidity, right? And he's dancing before the Lord, and his shirt is soaked with sweat, but he did not skip a beat. He did not miss a beat. He kept dancing before the Lord, amen? And that guy right there inspired me. I looked at him, and I said, that is a man who has the joy of the Lord, amen? And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying the joy of the Lord is always expressed in that way, because it's not. Because the Bible does say the joy of the Lord is our strength. You can have the joy of the Lord when you're going through trials, and it doesn't mean that you're at home all, you know, bubbling over and dancing and crying and shouting. But sometimes, come on, sometimes when the Holy Spirit hits you, you're going to have to do some of that. I'm just telling you right now from experience. I'm just telling you right now from experience. 
I hope you hear the heart of God in this. We need a hunger for God. I want to feast on God. I want all that God has for me. I don't want to settle down. I don't want to get comfortable. I don't want to put it on cruise control. I don't care what anybody thinks about me. I'm done past that a long time ago. It doesn't matter if they think I'm radical. It doesn't matter if they think I'm crazy. You know why? Because I see all this stuff going on in the world, and nobody cares about what they're doing. Everyone is applauding it, and they're laughing at it, right? And they think it's cool and because this person's looking weird and doing, doing all these things. But when it comes to Christianity, we just want to get in this closet and hide, and we just don't want to la- let our light shine. But I don't believe that's what God wants right now. I believe God wants some people who are radical for his name, who are, who are desperate for his name, who are radical enough to say, you know what? I am going to go into the worst place in my city, and I'm going to take the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I'm going to lift up the name of God right in the midst of this hellhole, and I believe that God is going to move. I believe that's what God is looking for. He's not looking for sanctified and satisfied saints. You just want to set, soak, and sour. I know it's a lot of alliterations, but it works. I, I don't think he wants us to be comfortable. I don't, see, I don't see the true men and women of God who went after God, I don't see them being comfortable. When I look into scriptures, I don't see a comfortable Christianity. But somewhere along the way, it became that. And I know what happened. This is what I feel happened. I've been praying and seeking God about this. I think it's because we've been conformed more to the culture than the Word of God. Oh, my goodness. I know. It hurts. And when the Bible clearly tells us, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Very clearly. But I think that's what it is. Because every time I go overseas on a mission trip, I see people that have nothing. I've seen people with homes where the floor is dirt and they literally have cardboard for their walls and their doors. And, and, a, and a, I've seen a one mother, I remember her in Ecuador, she had to travel miles in humidity, humidity and mosquitoes like you've never seen. You think Texas got mosquitoes. And she had to travel miles just to get water and the water was dirty. But yet I saw the joy of the Lord on her. The mention of Jesus' name, her eyes lit up. And she started tearing up because she knew how God had been so good to her. Put the average person, myself included, in her situation, I'd be crying. I don't have Wi-Fi. Forget the running water, I want Wi-Fi. I don't have a comfortable bed, I don't have AC. Listen. I'm not here to cast stones, but I'm saying something's got to change. Something has got to shift. And guess what? It starts with each one of us. If we just want to be satisfied, set back, and be complacent, okay. But don't complain to God when things aren't going your way, when you don't see God's hand in your life. Come on, because God is waiting on us. He's waiting on us. Amen. I know some of y'all are resonating with this. I'm not talking about hype. I'm not talking about emotional highs. I'm not talking about moments. I'm not even talking about head knowledge of the Bible because we can have the head knowledge and know that Bible front and back. But if it never hits the heart, because God's word is a resurrecting word. Amen. Mm. 
if, if you are dead to the things of God right now, if you are spiritually dead, let that word hit your heart and let it resuscitate it. Let it hit your heart and resurrect. Let it breathe life into your heart. And maybe that's what's got to happen today in this service. And that is my prayer. Because we need a hunger for God. We need a hunger to pray. We need a hunger for his word. We need a hunger to see lives change. We can't be complacent. We can't be satisfied. You know, a lot of us are either not hungry for spiritual things or we're hungry for the wrong things. See, my five-year-old daughter could eat candy all day long if I let her. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Kids love sweets, right? But I, as a good father or a decent father, I'm going to say put myself up there with God, I, as a decent father, knows that's not good for her. The sweets may be appealing. The sweets may be very tasteful. The sweets may, I mean, we all love sweets typically, right? Who doesn't like Andy's frozen custard? Oh, I just threw that out there. I love me some Andy's. Amen? But I can't live off of it. I need some nutrition. Some of us are living off of junk food spiritually. The enemy has given us a sweet substitute, but it never will take place of the real thing. Now, if we keep feasting on that substitute, we may think that we've got it good. And what do I mean? That means we're just going off emotional highs. That means we're only looking in the word for the things that's, that, that taste good. Come on. If God starts talking to us about being the head of our household as husbands, oh, I'm getting in there, uh, and, and telling us, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church, which means sacrifice. Come on. Which, oh, my gosh, you don't want me to go there, do you? You know, that, some of us might say that is, uh, that's broccoli. I don't like broccoli. Give me the... Give me the sweet stuff that says I'm never going to suffer. Give me the sweet stuff that says if I obey God, he's going to bless me with riches. Uh-uh. That is what's wrong with the church today. We want the sweets. We want the junk food because they taste good, they look good, but the enemy is the one that's behind that. Come on. God is saying my word is not a buffet where you pick and choose what you want. You take all of me or you have none of me. Come on. Amen. And so... I don't want junk food. I can't live off of junk food. Sometimes God also will allow problems and difficult situations to come into our lives to rebuild our hunger for him so that we will long for him, that we will yearn for him, that we will want a deeper, intimate connection with God. And God will satisfy those who are hungry for him. And this should be our attitude. This should be our mindset. This should be our goal because God is not looking for only Sunday goers. He's not looking for churchgoers. He wants people hungry. He wants people thirsty to know him. He doesn't want us to be satisfied. He wants us to go from glory to glory and faith to faith. Amen. That, doesn't, that does not seem very static to me. That seems dynamic. That seems like there's a motion going. You know, if you sit around long enough, this is being scientifically proved, by the way. If you sit around long enough without exercising or moving around, you die. You begin to get heart problems, anxiety overwhelms you, and you become unhealthy. So even people that don't know the Word of God know the benefit of an active lifestyle. If you go to a pond that has no stream coming into it, and it's not giving out either, and it's just there, you know it's going to be still water, and it gets stagnant, and all kinds of gross, ugly things grow in it, right? And that's a picture of our soul. 
Our souls need to be a river of living water that's flowing. Amen? Not standing still, not being static, because stagnant breeds ugly things. Amen? And I don't want my spiritual life to be ugly. John 17, 3 says, and this is eternal life, that they know you. Can I just stop there? Jesus is saying this is what eternal life looks like, that we know God. You come to church to know God, but this is only the starting point. Are you going to know him tomorrow, Tuesday? Amen. So let me keep going. He says, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So this is how you know you have eternal life, because something inside of you wants to know him more. You can't just be satisfied with the things of this world and what the world has to offer. Let's go back to Exodus, verse 14. And he said, this is God, my presence will go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. I thank God for his presence. And he said to him, if your presence, I love what Moses said, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. How many of us go from our day to day or go in our day to day asking for God's presence to lead us? I'm so guilty of it, y'all. I'm not throwing stones. I can wake up and not even think about, is God with me today? Have I invited him into my everyday routine? Because my routine is very structured. You can ask my wife. I know I get up at the same time, Monday through Friday, and my devotion time with God and everything, the gym, all that is just structured. And when we have that, we can get complacent. There's nothing wrong with structure, but don't trust in the structure. There's nothing wrong with structure, but you should every now and then ask God to mess up the routine. Maybe, maybe that looks like when you go to work tomorrow. God, I invite you to come into my cubicle, and if someone comes to my cubicle and they start talking to me about their problems, instead of telling them or listening to them and consoling them, I'm going to tell them what the Word of God says. That's getting out of the comfort zone. Come on. Instead of waiting in the grocery line and, and getting upset because somebody's writing a check and it's taking forever because nobody does that anymore, right? Oh, I'm the only one. No, I don't write checks anymore. But it's taking forever and I got places to be. Maybe that person in front of me needs prayer. That's stepping out of our comfort zone. Maybe that waiter at waitress at the restaurant I'm going to right now is dealing with a whole lot and she's just putting on a good face because that's her job, but inside she is broken. And maybe if I just tune into the Spirit of God, maybe God will have me to say an encouraging word to her that will change the trajectory of her life. To get out of our comfort zone. To get out of our lazy boys. Amen. And this is what Moses wanted. He said, he's telling us God's presence is the blessing. Now, as a born-again believer, the presence of God with us is the Holy Spirit in us. But how often do we yield to the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit wants to do? If you're like me, I don't do it that often. I like to do Jonathan's way. I'm just talking about me. I don't want to talk about you because you're going to get upset. But I won't get upset with me because I've dealt with God with this. Amen? But God's presence is the blessing. So they're coming out of Egypt. Moses said, God, if your presence is not with me, then we don't even want to go up from here. We could go to the most fabulous place, the promised land, but if you're not here with us, it means nothing. How many of us can say that? Because Moses knew that God's presence was everything. I don't want to go up, God, if you're not with me. 
You might be seeking for guidance from God right now. What decision should I make? What direction should I go? If God is not with you, then stop praying for him to do that because it's not going to work. If we're just praying for God and saying, God, give me a sign. God, give me direction. But we don't ask the Holy Spirit to lead us, then stop praying. Oh, I know that hurt. But that's the way God operates. I don't want to go anywhere or do anything without your presence, God. Put me in the desert. It's an uncomfortable place. It's inconvenient. There's no life there. There's no greenery. It's an undesirable place. But God, if I'm in the desert and you're there, then I'm the most happiest person. Amen, right? Because we could be in the promised land and have everything at our disposal, but if God is not there, then we're in misery. And I don't want to go to heaven and find out all this was a joke. I don't want to go to heaven and Jesus is not there. Keep your mansion. Keep the yellow brick road or the gold road or whatever you want to call it. Keep all the trees. that They got trees that got 12 kinds of fruit on one tree. Keep all that. I want Jesus. And that should be our, our goal, our aim. I will be satisfied, and I promise you this, and it's been a work that God has done in my heart because I wasn't like this in the beginning, but I promise you this. If I get to heaven and I got a cardboard box, praise the Lord because I have Jesus. Amen? We need to have Jesus wherever we go. Now, I want to look at this scripture because when God, all these scriptures, but this one right here just hit my heart. This one and the, and the other one I'm going to read in Psalms. Psalm 8410. You've heard this. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God. I don't have to be in the pulpit. I don't have to be seen. I don't have to be on the worship team. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Man, after this service, people should be signing up to greet on those doors. I know the, I know the, the people that are out there doing it would appreciate it too because they're out there all the time. But this is David's heart. He just wants to be in the presence of God. Do we want his presence more than the blessings? If we had to choose too many times, we would say we want the blessing and not the blesser. God's presence with us makes us different from others. That's the other thing I see in this next verse, verse 16. God's presence with us makes us different from others. He says, for how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, God, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us? So that we are distinct, we are different, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth. So God's presence sets us apart from other people. We have a mark from God. In the book of Revelation, it says that our names will be written, his name will be written on our foreheads. Amen. God has marked you. He's marked you with the blood of Jesus. You are not the same as you were before. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You are a new person. I know sometimes you don't feel like a new person, but it's not by your feelings. It's by faith. Our, our, our feelings have got to line up with the word of God and says this is the truth. God said that I am new and that I am seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, so I shall not dwell on the things of earth, but I shall dwell on the things of heaven, and that is a truth that's got to hit our hearts. And when it hits our hearts, it hits our mind. And when it hits our mind, then it hits our actions. Amen. And here's the thing. 
we are born again. We are different. If you're in here and you're born again, you are different. And so we got to start acting different. We're not to act like the world. We're not to solve our problems like the world. I've done that so many times. The Lord keeps calling me back to this saying, son, you are different. You were different before you were born. I set you apart in your mother's womb. I called you in your mother's womb. You are distinct. You are different. You're not going to go with the flow. You're against the flow. When I was younger, I tried to go with the flow like most of us do as teenagers, right? I tried to fit in with the in crowd, and it never really worked because I got bullied and I got rejected, and I didn't understand then because I didn't have God in my life that God didn't want me to go with the flow. So in his divine providence, in his sovereignty, I believe he allowed that bullying to happen. I believe he allowed me to get picked on and all those things to happen because otherwise I would have been comfortable and I would have went with the flow and I would have flowed right on down to hell. But God shook me up. Come on. He says, you are not the same. You are different. So start living differently. Hallelujah. Oh, Moses is so... He's so passionate in this plea. Verse 17, the Lord said to Moses, I love this because it shows the heart of the Father. God is saying, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight. And here's a big one. I know you by name. It's such a wonderful thing that God knows you by name. I don't know how, I can't get into it, but I don't know how much wait you realize there is to that you may not feel like people recognize you you may feel like you're just another face in the crowd and if you were gone tomorrow nobody would care but I want you to know God cares because he says I know you by name thank you Jesus for knowing me by your name I thank you God that you called me he wanted more Moses wanted more he says not enough I want to see your glory I love the passion he had for us. I love the eagerness he had. And God was not sitting here saying, well, no, you know what, Moses, you've gone a little too far. You just need to sit down and be quiet. Put your suit jacket on and look reserved because you can't have that more. Aren't you not satisfied with what I've given you? No, no, no. Moses wasn't caring about the gifts. He was caring about him. And he's like pushing the envelope. God, this is not enough. I want to see your glory. I want to see the manifestation of God is what he's saying. The Shekinah glory. I want to see the manifestation of God. Do you want more of God in your life? I don't just want three songs in a sermon and I go home and watch football. I don't want that. Maybe you do, but I don't because it's not getting me anywhere. I see people around me walking away from the faith. There's people that I have discipled. There's people that I'm close to walking away from the faith. And it breaks my heart. If it breaks my heart, I know it breaks, breaks God's heart even more. I have no time to sleep spiritually. I have no time to get complacent. The harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. I have no time to just sit back and just cater to myself and cater to my family while the world around me goes to hell. I can't because I have the hope of glory in me. I have the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the power of God and the salvation. I cannot keep it inside of me. I cannot contain it. I cannot hide it. I cannot push it down. I must let the lion out. Does anybody want to let the lion out? 
I don't want just another Sunday service. If that's all I'm looking forward to, then, then pity me. I want God every day. And he wants me to have him every day. But am I going to get out of my routine? Am I going to carve out some time? You know, Jesus had a busier schedule than any of us here today. Even if you work three jobs in here, Jesus had a more busy schedule. People constantly tugging and pulling on him. And everywhere he did, the Bible says he was doing good. But yet Jesus even found time to steal away and be one-on-one with the Father and pray on the mountaintop. He did not do that necessarily for his benefit. As, as a man, yes. But he did that to show us an example that every now and then you've got to be inconvenienced. Every now and then you've got to get out of the flow. Every now and then you've got to get along with God and get away from the crowd, get away from the noise, and say it's just me and you, God, right now. And I give you my heart. I give you my sin. I give you all my worries and all my cares and everything I'm dealing with right now. I'm tired of being on my job. I'm tired of how my spouse treats me. I'm tired of how my children are rebelling against me. I'm tired of the world and the way everyone is hating each other. I'm tired of the sickness in my body. I don't know what it is. You can fill in the blank, but you get before God and you lay it down before him because he cares for you. And until we can get real with God, until we get real with God, you have a, a greater opportunity of unbelief coming into your heart. You got to get real with God. I get real with God, y'all, but I wasn't always like that. But now I can go to God because I, I spent time with him, and I can just go to him and dump all my junk on him and not worry about performing. Come on, somebody. I don't have to put up a front. I don't have to put on my church face. I don't have to get before God and say, Thou art Lord Oh, hi, um, I worship you, and do all these theatrics. I can just come to God like this and say, God, I'm hurting right now. Where are you, God? I need you right now, God. And let me tell you something. God loves that raw and realness. If you haven't tried it, try it. The only reason we don't is because of pride. Get that pride out of here. Pride will keep you from growing in God. Get destroyed by the Holy Spirit. I'm getting so stirred up right now. <sighs> mm. I, I really, 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 really hope you hear the Holy Spirit. Psalm 42, one of my favorite passages. I, I just see the desperation. I see the yearning from David. He says, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul pants for you? Has your soul been panting for God? Like, God, I'm going to die without you. We got to get desperate before God. Look at this. He says, my soul thirsts for God. And in case you didn't know, he's the living God. He's not dead. When, when, oh, when, oh, when shall I come and appear before my God? I'm desperate. The devil's beating on me all week long. I'm stressed out. I don't know which way to go. I got all these bills piling up. But when, oh, when can I appear before my God? Because when I appear before my God, it doesn't mean all the problems are gone, but it means that I have someone that can handle my problems better than me. This is all David cared about. There's many other psalms where he's saying pretty much the same thing, that I just want to be in the house of the Lord. I just want to be in the presence of God. 
David didn't have it easy. He had Saul breathing down his neck trying to kill him. And David did nothing wrong. He just did the obedience to God. But yet he's got this jealous king after him. And all he wanted to do was be in the presence of God. Look at Psalm 27.4. I'm almost done. This is another one that hit me last night. One thing have I asked of the Lord. <laughs> if we could just get down to one thing. Got many things, but if we just get the one thing and, 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 and look to perfect that one thing, we would be so much further in God. One thing I have asked of the Lord. I've only got one request for you, God. I'm not asking you to fix my marriage. I'm not asking you to heal me. I'm not asking for another job, God. I just want one thing. And then I'm going to seek after it, too. I'm not going to be complacent. I'm going to ask, and I'm going to be active. This is what he says, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. <laughs> Don't raise your hand, but how many of us really look forward to coming to church? How many of us look forward to being in the presence of God every day? We should take what we experience here and take it home. I, 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 oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. I want some fathers. You don't have to tell me this because I don't need to know, but do it for the glory of God. I want some fathers to go home tonight and sit around the dinner table and grab hands and pray with their family. That's stepping out of the comfort zone. Come on. I, oh. You don't have to be a scholar of the Word. Just open up the Bible and read. The Word is so powerful. You don't have to know the Greek and the Hebrew. Just read it. All you got to do is read it. And, and let me say this. Read it with some fire in it. It's like you really believe it and watch the atmosphere shift. I'm not telling you something that I read about. I'm telling you something that I do. And I used to be scared to do that, that I'm not adequate, Lord, to do that, to lead my family and disciple them. And no, that was the enemy. But once I quieted the voice of the enemy and started listening to the Spirit of God, I knew God had anointed me, he had appointed me, he had equipped me, that yes, I can disciple my wife, I can disciple my kids, and I don't have to get everything right, because the big, biggest thing I could do is walk uprightly before the Lord, and they will catch more than what they're taught. My goodness. I want to read this quote from William Paulsell. He says, it is unlikely that we will deepen our relationship with God in a casual or haphazard manner. There will be a need for some intentional commitment. I love that word intentional. And some reorganization in our lives. But there is nothing that will enrich our lives, enrich our lives more than a deeper and clearer perception of God's presence in the routine of daily living. Oh, I hope there's some schedules rearranged after today. We'll carve out some time for God. It don't even have to be an hour. It could be 20 minutes. God can do so much in that time. Come on, because I promise you, if you just said, I'm going to spend five minutes more with God today, then sooner or later, it's going to go to 15 minutes. Sooner or later, you're not going to be watching the clock because you're going to be caught up in the glory of God. Come on, I'm telling you, I told someone this morning that I had an encounter with God last night, just coming out back, you know, just a casual prayer, but the Lord was pulling on me saying, there's more. But Lord, I got to go to bed. There's more. But, Lord, you know, I got to get up early. There's more. Don't you know I have your body in control? Don't you know I can give you rest? Don't you know I am your rest? I want more of you right now, Jonathan. Come deeper with me. <laughs> and I stayed longer than I intended to stay, but I was so blessed when I came out of it. And, it, and I started crying, y'all. Yeah, real men do cry. Jesus wept. 
I know some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Sometimes when the presence of God walks into the room where I'm at and I'm praying, I can't help but crying because I see his beauty. I see his goodness. I forgot to read this part of that psalm that we just read, Psalm 27, 4. Would you mind if I read that part? Because this is so good. He says, I'm not just coming to, I don't want to just come and live in the house of God all the days of my life. I came with a mission. I came to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. I came to put my eyes on Jesus. I came to focus on him more. I came, I came to see the beauty and the wonder of the cross. I came to see how God saved a wretch like me via the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ. I, I, I saw how be- the beautiful exchange there, how he took my pain and my sorrow and he took my sins and he nailed them to the cross. And there was a beautiful exchange there. And he gave me his grace. He gave me his mercy. He gave me everything that I needed that I didn't even know I needed. But God filled me and he's overflowing me now. And this is what David is saying I want to gaze on the beauty of God yes I got friends yes I got my favorite chair I want to sit down in and yes I got people I want to talk to and 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 catch up on what the weather is doing and what what the Super Bowl is going to look like yeah I want to do all that but my main purpose and mission is to gaze on the beauty of God oh I love that I think we gaze more at our problems than we do at the beauty of God. I think we'd be better off if we glanced at our problems and we gazed on the beauty of God. Because <sighs> when I glance, I just take a quick look. But when I gaze, I'm intentionally focused and looking in the eyes of my Savior. This last scripture I want to read as I close. Philippians 3. By the way, you're staying a little longer. I don't know if you realize that. I don't think you care, do you? I don't care. When I got, first got saved, we would start church at 11, I believe. And if we got out of there before 1 o'clock, that was a, a weird day. Sometimes we'd go to 2 o'clock. Some of y'all older people know what I'm talking about. We'd go be at church three, four hours. Don't even be hungry. Just hungry for God. Again, we've gotten complacent, y'all. We got comfortable. We got too worried about schedules. No, no, no. Let's worry about the presence of God. Because I can't fix anybody in here, but the presence of God can. Let me read this so I can get out of here. Philippians 3, verse 12. Here's Paul. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things. Saying I don't have it all together. Does anybody like that? I'm going to raise my hand. I don't have it all together. He says... I don't claim that I've already reached perfection. We've got to stop walking around like we've got it all together, y'all. Put on a good face, but we're hurting inside. It's okay. Cry on somebody's shoulder. I cried with a brother this morning who's going through, and that's what we need to be doing. Look what he says. But this is what I do. I press on. I press on. We need to press on to possess that perfection, because I don't have it, for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. And then he says, dear brothers and sisters, he he emphasizes again, I have not achieved this, y'all. He says, but this is what I do. There's that one thing again. I focus on one thing. I forget the past. 
Even if it was great victories, even if it was a great encounter with God. I had a great encounter with God last night, but guess what? I need another one today. I can't live off of that. Come on. I can't just sit soaking sour and say, oh, man, what an awesome day at church today, and then, and then not expect more. Paul wasn't like that. And he says, I focus on this one thing. I forget the past, and I look forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Paul was saying, I was pursuing God to take hold of God, and God took a hold of me. Man, that's just mind-blowing. That the harder I go after God, the harder he's going after me. (laughs) The more I chase after God instead of the things of the world, God is going to chase after me. And let me tell you, I want to be hunted down by God. I want God to chase me down. I want God to tackle me and body slam me. Come on. Woo. (laughs) Please do that, Lord. I want grace to overwhelm me. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want goodness and mercy, those twin cousins, to chase me down and overtake me in Jesus' name. So here he is, Paul. I want to get closer to God is what he's saying. I don't want to be satisfied. He's got a holy discontentment. He's got a holy dissatisfaction. I don't know where Pastor Ronnie's at, but I'm closing. You can stand to your feet. <sighs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to ask, ask you some questions. These, these questions are not meant for you to answer. They're just something you take home and prayerfully ask these questions before the presence of God. Do you long for more God? Do you want more God in your life? Do you want a hunger for God and his word? Can I just say this? Thank you, Holy Spirit. In the midst of people walking away from God, because there's a lot of them, there's some teenagers that are walking towards God. And I had the honor and privilege to be able to behold that because they come to me all the time saying, I want to know more of God. I want to be able to read his word more. Help me. How can I have a consistent walk with God where I'm reading his word and praying every day? That's been happening lately, and it encourages me so much. Like, that is a prayer that I have. Because I know how much the word of God has changed my life. And to see a hunger in some young people, when I didn't have that hunger at that age, it makes me believe that this world can be a better place. But for us older people, we need to set that example. I can't get relaxed when I got a generation behind me that needs God. I can't. I can't. It should trouble us. The best thing we could leave the next generation is a spiritual inheritance. That's what they did in the Old Testament. And if we don't, the church is going to die. And the world will really take over. Do you want an insatiable desire for God that will not be snuffed out? We need to cry out to God. So this time, I need to keep that open because I have a couple announcements. Before I get to those announcements, let's close our eyes. I'm not going to ask anyone to come to the altar unless you just want to. 
Some of us need to repent. Listen, repentance is not a bad thing. Times of refreshing on your soul come via repentance. When we can admit that we are wrong and say, God, forgive me and change me, you can receive the refreshing of the Holy Spirit. And God is calling you to some, some of you today to do a reboot. You've been on your computer before. Here's an analogy. You've been on your computer before and your browser got stuck and the, the image didn't come up clear. The information you're looking for didn't fully appear and it just froze. You've, you've experienced this before. And you know what you have to do. You have to refresh it. And when you refresh it, then the image comes in clearly and the information you're looking for is presentable. God is saying some of us need to do a refreshing on our soul because the image that we have of God has been distorted. The information we have from the Word has been distorted. We've heard too many voices except the voice of God. And God is saying if you do a refreshing today then the image that you should have of me will come in clearer and the information that you do need that will lead to transformation will come in clearer. So ask him in your own way right now, God, reboot my soul. God, refresh my soul. Pour out your spirit right now. Breathe life into these dry bones, oh God. Some of us need to pray that now and really mean it and then walk in it. And not be the same, because he hasn't called you to be the same. He has set you apart. God, right now, I pray, Holy Spirit, you do your work. Every single person, including me, God, we need a refreshing. We can't live off of yesterday's manner. We can't live off of yesterday's victory. We can't live off the word we got yesterday, God. We need a fresh encounter now. Every day, God, there's people that we know that are dying and going to hell. There's people that we know, Father, that are Christless, and that is a crisis. We need you, God. Breathe on us, God. You have given us your word, not for us to set, soak, and sour, but to spread it abroad. And I pray, O oh Lord, that we would not get complacent, that we would not get weary, that we would not be fearful, that we would do what thus saith the Lord. So God, touch us right now. Get our minds off the clock and get our minds on the kingdom. Pour out, God, right now. Pour out your spirit, God, on upon all flesh. Start with me, oh God. Let that be your heart cry. Start with me, God. Say, God, here I am. Send me. I'll go. You want me to talk to those people in the drug house? If your spirit is with me, I'll do it. You want me to talk to that person on my job that is always mocking you? If your spirit is with me, I'll do it. If you want me to disciple my kids, God, if your spirit is with me, I'll do it. Whatever you want me to do, God, as long as your spirit goes with me, I'll do it. Let that be what your heart says today. Father, we thank you for it now. In the name of Jesus, amen. <laughs>